number one We'll hold the line We won't step back We'll just attack time after time We're lightning fast We'll drive like rain We won't be beat We won't retreat Ice in our veins We are the storm from Albert Town We'll blow the others off the ground We are the storm And we're number one We are the Storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode 21. As always, a quick shout out to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to Stormcast with Gobs, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Stormcast with Gobs is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. As always, I'm your host Gobs and I'll be bringing you the latest news, views and Melbourne Storm content over the 2023 season. Now, let's get on with podcast, shall we? <laughs> Grant there scoring the first Melbourne Storm try against the Panthers in round 18. The Storm came out of the blocks hard and fast, very similar to the way they started the game against the Sharks a few weeks back. Uh, they front-loaded their energy fairly well uh, and dominated the ruck field position and possession in the early exchanges. Uh, after 24 minutes, the Storm were up by 14 points, 14 nil. And all signs pointed to a comprehensive victory against the reigning back-to-back premiers, the Penrith Panthers. But as soon as Panthers got into good ball off a storm penalty, they struck with their first points of the game to centre Stephen Crichton in the 31st minute and momentum completely swung, with the Panthers scoring a further 30 unanswered points, with the Storm's second half points only coming through a penalty goal to Nick Meaney. The Storm never looked likely, gassing out as soon as the Panthers got an even split of possession and unable were unable to stop the Panthers' onslaught of attacking shapes and second phase play. They just ran out of petrol. They exhausted all their energy in that first quarter of the game and were unable to sustain the effort of the way they did start with such intense start. Um, such aggression uh, and the line speed, which was there against the Sharks, but again, the the Panthers just absorbed, 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 and when they did get the ball, they virtually went on with it, and the Storm had no answers. Comprehensively beaten. It was a tremendous display by the reigning Premiers, and they, in my opinion, are still the benchmark, and the Storm have... A long, long way to go to get anywhere near the Penrith Panthers. Um, in my opinion, they are the premiership favourites and deservedly so. They Their system is just amazing. Uh, even the players they've lost over the past two or three seasons, um, which the Storm only know, know too well, which comes with the price of success. You always are losing three to four players on average per season and... It just goes to show that the system that the Panthers have there, the pathways that they have there, that Phil Gould set up such a long period of time now, but the fruits of the labour, it is just a continual production line and cabbage patch nursery of just talent, um, which is unbelievable. It's quite scary, and again, they are they are the benchmark on and off the field from a development pathway perspective, the way their academy runs, um, and there's again their system at the NRL level is just superior to anything in the game. Uh, let's see what Craig Bellamy had to say post match on the loss to the Panthers. Craig, we started so well, then the Panthers just sent it right on top of you. What happened? 
Oh, yeah, they did. You just scored, you know, probably don't need to say any more than that. That's what happened. But we just sort of stopped doing the things that we were doing earlier. We stopped competing in some areas and, you know, we paid a price, you know. Like they're, you know, they've been the top side in the comp for, you know, three years and they haven't got there by luck, you know. So um, when we give them an opportunity, they just took it and then they never took the foot off again. And, you know, I don't think we ever, you know, for that last 55 minutes, I, you know, we hardly got down their end, you know. So, um, but as I said, you know, we, we got what we deserved tonight, and you know, we need to learn from that and, and hopefully move on. Was that the game plan? It looked like there was a real effort to try and jam their back five, who were their real meter eaters, and. and well, we knew we had to do a good job and then we were going to beat them. So I thought in the first half, you know, well, certainly that first 25 minutes, you know, we did do a good job, especially on their, on their back three, you know, so uh, reduced their metres and, um, yeah, like I say, that was, you know, you know I, I think that the whole game, you know, we done a reasonable job on them, you know, to be quite honest. Um, but there was other, you know, we just lost field position, we kept, you know, making errors, you know, we got given away, you know, seven tackle sets and you know dropping the ball in the first tackle I know how many times we've done that you know and then you know, we give away a lot of penalties six against as well so yeah like I say it just all dissolved after 25 minutes and you know like I say they're they're too good a side to you know play like we did that last 55 minutes and expect to stay in the game certainly certainly so Craig 12 errors Six penalties conceded and five ruck infringements virtually handed the Panthers the game. Um, and again, those errors compounded to a completion rate of 68%. And everyone who knows that listens to this, I always bang on about it that you can't expect to put yourself in a position to, to be competing for a win when you're not completing your at least 80% or above. And... The, the devil's in the detail. The Panthers were completing at 84% compared to the Storm 68. So there's the tale for you right there. Um, I'm really concerned about the middle, the Storm's middle, especially when the Storm are coming up against these bigger teams, these higher-flying teams like your Panthers, like your Rabbitohs like your Broncos who have big forward mobile packs throwing the Raiders and the Eels as well, who play a really strong power game through the middle third. Um, And whilst I'm concerned, I'm concerned because at the moment, potentially a little bit due to injury, but also I think the Storm are trying to strengthen one position but not realising they're actually weakening another. And I'm referring to Nelson Osofa-Solomona, Playing on a right on the right edge. When you're coming up against these teams with big mobile middle forwards, you need to fight fire with fire. And the Storm need Nelson to be able to basically pick up the slack and take it to these other teams. He is our forward leader. He is our alpha. He is our enforcer. And to have him sitting on an edge where we're getting absolutely pummeled through the middle, we need the big man back in the middle. So I know Elisa Katoa is currently out with injury and Godspeed on the recovery and that nasty laceration he sustained against the Sharks. But, yeah, um, there's got to be other players. You look at Tom Eisen who, who can play on an edge. Um You've got young Jack Howarth, who, again, has been putting some real consistent performances together um, in Queensland Cup. Um, I don't know why would you play him at second row if you're not intending to use him as a as an edge player now in, in, in first grade. Um, is the plan to still play him at centre when he does debut? Again, I'm not sure. Um, it's... Yeah, it's it's just it's a conundrum that's really making me uneasy. Um, whilst Nelson is effective as an edge back rower, 
there's no point having him there if we're not winning the ruck. So it's all well and good when the Storm were rolling downfield and dominating through the middle third because that's easy. That opens up the, the game and the opportunity for the outside backs and the halves to to put Nelson into space. But when there's no space to be created through being on the back foot, then all of a sudden Nelson just becomes a sitting duck and a liability in defence um, due to being so big and not having the lateral movement um, like a, a typical smaller edge player does have. So, and that that's that's unfortunate due to the the physical size and the nature of Nelson is that because he has a bigger body, he takes a little bit longer to get across the field because of his size, and he becomes a target, especially defensively. So, I think. The next time that the Storm play the Panthers, which is in a couple of weeks' time, as we run into the business end of the season, the Storm need Nelson in the middle, taking it to James Fisher Harris and Moses Liotta, uh, with with the help of Tui, Kevin Kamita, Tarek Sims, Josh King, Christian Welsh. So I mean, they they can all hold their own, but Nelson is the point of difference. That first prop carry, or a second prop carry after a Tui Kamikamitha run, that really sets up momentum. And Harry Grant can then just play on the back of that and get going and play over the advantage line. And the game just opens up. And that then thus creates space for the halves to, to do their thing. And they first run first mentality. And that just, that just destabilises defence of the opposition. Um, so when the Storm do throw and run their shape, they've got time. They're going to be asking different variations of, of of different shape because they've got that time to think as opposed to not having time and space because they're on the back foot or they're not winning the ruck. Well, the opposition line speed is just too effective and that was the Panthers the other, the other week against, against the Storm at Marvel where they just absorbed all that sort of pressure for the first 20, 25 minutes and then bang, just punched the Storm straight in the face and the Storm didn't recover. They just gassed themselves to that point of exhaustion where they didn't... I firmly believe they probably didn't expect that the Panthers were going to come back after jumping out to a 14-0 lead. I'm not, I'm not going to say complacency. I think it was more fatigue. They just gassed themselves. They were so high up for the game, up for the contest, and they just burnt themselves out so quickly. And they just, they had nothing left. They had flatlined completely. Um, you know, the the fuel gauge was, the light came on in the in the car and they just couldn't, they couldn't get going. They had nothing left in the tank. So hopefully that's a lesson that they take away going into the Roosters game because they're going to need it. They're going to need it, and hopefully they take some lessons out. So when they do play against the Panthers uh, in a couple of weeks' time at Bluebet Stadium, that they're going to be a little bit more wiser and smarter in terms of how they approach the game uh, as opposed to um, replicating a very similar performance that we saw at Marvel. Now, Teamless Tuesday, Melbourne Storm return to the park in round 20 following last weekend's bye for a crucial crucial clash with the Roosters at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Xavier Coates, Cameron Munster and Harry Grant have all been named to back up from Wednesday night's origin appearance, whilst Tui Kamikamitha also returns to the starting lineup after a solid performance off the bench in round 18 against the Panthers. Tarek Sim reverts to the interchange bench and will be joined by Tyron Wishart, Bronson Garlick and Tom Eisenhuth, who looks to celebrate his 50th NRL game. The milestone celebrations don't stop there, with both Remus Smith and Justin Ollum taking the field for their 100th NRL games, respectively, this coming Saturday night. So let's have a look at the entire team list, shall we? So Nick Meaney is at fullback. Will Warbrick returns from a HIA Mandatory 11-day stand-down after receiving that head knock. 
against the Panthers. Um, so great to see Will Warwick back. Xavier Coates is the other winger, uh, pending returning, uh, getting through captain's run unscathed after Origin. Remus Smith, the milestone man, alongside Justin Ollum, the other milestone man, both centres celebrating 100 games in the centres for the Storm. Cameron Munster has been named at six to hopefully back up. Jerome Hughes is at halfback. Tui Kamekamitha and Christian Welsh are in the front row with Harry Grant named at hooker, who again looking to back up from Origin 3. Trent Liero and Nelson Asafa-Solomona are in the second row with Josh King at lock. On the interchange bench, we have Tyron Wishart in the 14, Tom Eisenhuth in 15, Tarek Sims in the 16, and Bronson Harrison rounds uh, Bronson Harrison. Bronson Garlic rounds out the 17. For the extended reserves, Grant Anderson, Alec McDonald, Jaden Nicarima, Marion Seve. Uh, who sustained a fractured jaw against West a few weeks back. So good to see Marion back in calculations to return. Chris Lewis and George Jennings uh, round out the 23 players that have been named for the Melbourne Storm. Now, the only real change, and again, this is pending fitness, health, fatigue of the Origin players backing up. I do believe they will back up. They all look to get through the game unscathed um, on Wednesday. So the only potential change I could see is that both Wishart and Garlic have been named on the interchange bench. And whilst Garlic can play nine and play uh, in the middle and on the edge with a pinch, um, I think Alec McDonald could potentially come on find himself in the 17 as an additional middle. Um, so that's that's the only thing I could potentially see happening with either Tyron Wishart or Bronson Garlic dropping out. So if one was likely to drop out, I would say it would be Tyron Wishart with Alec McDonald uh, taking a place in the final 17. So we'll just see how that pans out because um, the Roosters are a big physical team and the Storm are going to have to have that, again, what I was referring to before against the Panthers. You're going to need to fight fire with fire. Otherwise, you're just going to get dominated through the middle third. So let's look at the Roosters team. So James Tedesco, captain and fullback, who very similar to our... Storm boys will back up for the Roosters. Very surprised if he doesn't. Daniel Tupo and Joseph Swali'i on the wings. Uh, Billy Smith and Joey Manu in the centres. Luke Kiri and young Sandham Smith are in the halves. Jared Waria Hardgraves and Lindsay Collins are up front for the Roosters with Jake Turpin at hooker. Victor Bradley and Nate Butcher are in the second row, and Nathan Brown, the former eel, finds himself at lock. On the interchange bench, Brandon the Cheese Smith returns from injury after sustaining a broken thumb six weeks ago. Egan Butcher, uh, Saw Wong, and Nafuna White uh, round out the 17 for the Roosters. Drew Hutchinson, Tyrell May, Corey Allen... Felicia Palega Pauga and Dylan Napa wrap up the 17. Dylan Napa, there's a name that uh, a lot of rugby league fans have seen for quite a while. So, um, returning from the English Super League, he's been playing for the Roosters in their New South Wales knock on effect cup reserve grade team. So, very interesting. I dare say he's there as a contingency for Lindsay Collins, who, like Munster, Grant, and Coates, are backing up for playing for Queensland the other night in Origin 3. So let's look at the threats. So star-studded backline, Tedesco is, well, doesn't need any sort of introduction in, in terms of the the attacking threat that he possesses as a number one, bobs up on both sides of the field, 
um, supports very well through the middle. Um, again, really, really good turn of pace, good leg speed, um, and again, just effort on effort on effort. He'll just keep backing up all day. Uh, so the Storm have got to be on defensively um, wherever Teddy ends up popping up. Their back, or their pendulum, uh, the fullback and the wingers, um, Swali E and Tupo, big bodies, get their set started really, really well. So instead of coming off their own goal line on tackle one, tackle two, they start they start their sets off on the 30 and 40 metres line respectively and get the, the Roosters into good ball in on, on tackles two and three. So And that, that really sets them up to start putting a lot of pressure uh, and playing field position, um, getting into an opposition red zone. So going to really have to ensure that the Storm's halves aren't kicking the ball straight down their throat. Again, that's been one of my biggest criticisms of the Storm's general kicking game. leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and again, it's really about trying to separate and find the grass um, as opposed to just launching it down the throat and giving um, opposition teams the opportunity to catch it on the full and just virtually return the ball 20, 30 metres off the first run, uh, which doesn't really bode well defensively for the Storm because, again, they've, you, want to be, you want to be trying to build pressure and make your opposition get the ball out of their own red zone as opposed to being on the back foot on tackle three, tackle four, and then you're on your own goal line because of a poor, poor kick, poor kick chase and, and virtually allowing your, your bigger bodies in your back three to, to really get set started effectively, uh, which takes a heap of pressure off the forwards um, because if they're starting their sets 30 and 40 metres on tackle one or tackle zero, the, the, the big boppers in the middle... They don't have to retreat all the way back. They can just virtually start and return the ball, not having to run back, which conserves energy. So it's really important that the Storm's kicking game is on song and they're not giving cheap ball away for the back three of the Roosters to get their their set started. We know Joey Manu is just a freak. Um, golden boot winner last year. Um, and for the best player on the planet, virtually. And uh, he is just a freak in terms of what he can do, not only at centre, but the way that Joey Manu plays, he goes looking for the ball, he sweeps on both sides, he pushes up through the middle of the ruck. So he's got like a bit of a roving commission. So it's almost like the Roosters play with two fullbacks because someone of his ability, you just can't confine him to one edge of the field um, so Manu is always a threat. Very, very strong ability to, to change hands with the ball, fend, step, very hard to bring down. Always finds his front, front when he gets when he does get tackled. Um, gets a quick play of the ball, and again, it's like almost having another forward out there as well because he is a big body as well. Kiri is just the general, will steer, it, steer them around. Very, very apt kicking game, astute kicking game, clever kicking game, and potentially could kick the Storm to death if they're not lucky, uh, and giving him space. Well, we know what the Storm, uh, the Roosters forward pack's like, led by Jared Warrior Hargraves, their alpha, their, their aggressor, uh, and their forward leader. Uh, he is their enforcer, um, and he will lead the way with a, I dare say, uh, Lindsay Collins, who's coming off the back of a tremendous origin campaign for the Maroons. Um, that one-two punch that they've, they've got through the middle, uh, first prop, second prop carry, that really gets their set started. Jake Turpin is a very, very underrated hooker, great leg speed, and he'll be looking to jump and capitalise on the back of that. And then again, when Brandon Smith comes on, we know what he's like. Robust running, dummy half, middle forward. Um, that again, getting close to the line is almost unstoppable and he'll be looking to jump on the back of quick play the balls as well. So uh, Nathan Brown sort of complements the go forward of that middle third as well. Um, coming off the back fence, he's an aggressive ball runner. 
and he'll he'll provide really good impact as well. Um, so that's that's the the real threats in that regard. It's and it's really going to come down to Tui, uh, Welshy, Josh King as starting middles to really really take it to to Hardgraves and Collins and Brown and really trying to stop that go forward. Um, otherwise, it's it, it could be a long night. Could be a long night. Um, I get the feeling it won't be, and what I mean by that, I think this is going to be a real arm wrestle. I think these teams are very evenly matched. I think a lot of the the players, if you're lining them up side by side, sort of cancel each other out. Um, the Roosters, in terms of reputation, um, they've probably got a points decision over the Storm, um, especially in the backs, but... The unheralded forward pack of the storm, they really need to to really set the tone early on um, and really lay a platform for Harry Grant to get on the front foot and play over the advantage line, which will open up the field for for Munster and Hughes to to get their dancing shoes on and get their running game going. So first first thought is to run um, once that space opens up, and that'll really allow. Uh, the storm to to be creative with their shape and their variation of shape on both sides, um, as opposed to playing on the back foot, which happened against the Panthers, and we've seen it multiple times this season. Um, uh, specifically, probably that game at Four Pines Park against the, against uh, the Seagulls, where they just couldn't get out of their own red zone, couldn't get out of their own side of halfway. Uh, and just had no space, had nothing, um, very flat all night. And, again, that really comes down to winning the ruck, really comes down to winning the ruck. So it's up to the forwards to do their jobs and take it to hard goes, take it to Collins, limit the potency and the impact of Brown, uh, and that will really nullify the the potential impact of what this star-started backline of what the Roosters can do. That's where the game is potentially can be won, can be lost. So it'll really come down to being very, very diligent. And again, I'm really worried about the kicking game of the storm again. So, and I've made my thoughts around Nelson playing on an edge. I'm not comfortable with it. I understand that it's there at the moment through necessity, but if I was, I'm not telling, I'm not telling Belly Ake how to coach, but if I was selecting this team, I'd be putting Nelson straight back into the middle um, and putting Tom Eisenhuth on the, on an edge uh, and allowing Nelson to take it to Warrior Hardgraves, um, which I think everyone wants to see that clash after the uh, after the scenes at Amy Park last year, um, which were fantastic if you're a... Uh, a lover of all things rugby league, so nothing better than two big boppers, two alpha males, two enforcers going toe to toe. So let's hope they uh, they do find each other at some point. Uh, Frank Panisi spoke to uh, SEN Radio during the week about the Storm's important clash with the Roosters, the rivals from the 2018 Grand Final. They've had some epic counters encounters over the. Of the past few seasons, since that period of time, and obviously the uh, the players that have left the storm to go there, um, we know that um, we won't touch on that because it is a sore point for me. But um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, let's see what Frankie had to say. No, look, we've uh, we've played there the last uh, three or four years, and uh, we've had um, three games there, and we've had two wins. So it's certainly whilst it's their home ground, and they play there a lot, uh, or they have the last few years anyway. Uh, it's a place that we've, uh, we've we've been before and won. So um, you know, it's uh, it, I think it's uh, even Stevens really. It's still their home ground, but we're, we're comfortable playing there. So you've come off a rest. How, how's your player stocks at the moment? 
Pretty good, to be honest with you. I mean, also, I think we've still got, uh, obviously, Ryan Pappenhausen and Ellie Katoa still out there. They're really the only two players uh, missing from this weekend. We've got our three players backing up from Origin last night, and at this stage, we expect them all to back up on Saturday night. We'll, we'll see how they are in the morning, but at this stage, the report is that they're all good. Um, but other than that, we're, we're pretty good. So it's... Uh, we're exactly uh, two-thirds of the way into the, into the season. We've played 16 games and we've got eight to go. So this is, a, this is a big part of the season coming up. What is your selection rules? Do you have to name your team tonight or can you wait until tomorrow? Uh, we have to name uh, our 19, uh, 24 hours before the game, which, is, which will be 7.30 tomorrow night. So we'll get a good opportunity to train in the morning with the three Origin players, see how they pull, pull up after that, and then we've still got till tomorrow night to nominate them in the 19, and then we nominate our 17 an hour before kickoff. Frankie almost gave us a, uh, a bit of a medical update there, so cue the match theme. So virtually all the players are back playing in the feeder teams, which is fantastic. So the only two players that are missing for the Storm at the moment are Elisa Katoa, who again is still uh, yet to return after receiving that uh, horrible laceration to his right eye, and Ryan Pappenhausen, who again is coming back from that horrible knee injury as is well documented and reported, but some really positive signs over the last couple of weeks, uh, specifically this week where Pappy has returned to training full-time with the main group, which is fantastic. So um, that's really, really positive science, really positive science. So uh, touch wood, he's not too far away. Uh, And when I say too far away, obviously he will be making his return after being out of the game for what will be probably 13 months um, sustaining the injury back last July. So you'd assume that he'd be playing in the next couple of weeks, probably going into August. Um, yeah, it was it, to me it's um, he'll be returning and I think it's, it's, it, it's quite common knowledge that you can't sustain an injury like that, be out of the game for over over 12 months and then all of a sudden hit the ground running, ready to take your place in the first grade team. So he will be coming back through reserve grade uh, with the Sunshine Coast Falcons and depending on how he pulls up and how he performs, again, performance is probably going to dictate everything um, in, t- in terms of level of confidence um, when he's running the ball, the way he's taking to defence, and how he sort of he does respond to that. Um, so that'll be something to really keep an eye on. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll watch and see in that regard. But, yeah, just seeing the side of him doing a captain's run, seeing the side of him now um, with pictures and photos surfacing of him training with the main group, It's yeah, it warms the cockles of the heart because this poor kid, he deserves uh, he deserves some luck to go his way on the injury front. You know, the last two seasons have been horrible, horrible for him. And again, not through any fault of his own. It's just it just comes down to bad luck. Terrible high tackle that saw him miss nine to ten weeks in twenty twenty one. He became a shell of himself and took a while to get going. And then that horrible knee injury um, against the Raiders colliding with Jack Whiten, um, just absolutely terrible. So, yeah, fingers crossed Pappy is only uh, imminently not too far away from pulling back the purple jersey. So, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, to Frank's point, um, getting back to the Roosters Clash, is that uh, the game will be at the SCG um, due to the fact that Allianz Stadium or the City Football Stadium um, is unavailable due to the FIFA World Cup, just like Amy Park is unavailable for the Storm. Um, so the SCG will be the venue. Um, the Storm have a 50% record there, so they've lost one, won one. Um, they won there last year uh, against the Roosters. 
uh, and they lost their their loss came in the prelim final of 2019 against the Roosters. So um, I suppose the benefit there is is that it's a ground that doesn't really it's it's not a cauldron as such due to the fact that it is a cricket ground and you are a fair way away from the fans. Whilst it just does generate atmosphere, you haven't got the fans sitting on your shoulder, heckling you, throwing all sorts of obscenities, profanities and colourful language. Um, so the, the intimidation factor isn't there like it would be if it was at the Sydney Football Stadium or Allianz Stadium. Um, so that sort of takes the... The, the crowd out of it, which is probably a positive thing for an away team. Um, so, again, it really comes down to starting well um, because th- these these are games that, whilst you should be winning all your home games, it's, it's really about what you're doing on the road uh, because to be able to get to the Holy Grail, you've got to be able to win games like this especially against a team like the Roosters who are going to be so, so desperate. They're in a position where they need to virtually win all their games, all their games to make the finals because they can't be in a position where they're starting to rely on other results to go their way. Um, they're outside the eight whilst the Storm are in, in the eight. and the, the, the ladder is that congested at the moment um, that you drop a game, you potentially fall out of the top four or four out of the top eight. So the Panthers are, and the Broncos are currently first and second respectively on 28 points. The Sharks, the Storm and the Raiders, third, fourth and fifth with 26 points. The Warriors on 24 points. The Eels on 22 points. The Rabbitohs on 22 points round out the top eight. So at the moment, the Roosters are on 20. So they need to win. It's desperate. Desperate times, desperate measures at the moment. So, and you don't want to get to a point where you're starting to talk about, oh, we can mathematically make it. If you're starting to use that terminology, you're gone. Your season's finished. So, they're going to be very desperate. Um, they need to win. They're going to be desperate to win. Both teams coming off a bye. It's going to be a complete arm wrestle. Um, yeah, it's it's again, it's. It's going to be one of those games where you got to, you got to ice moments in certain games to, 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 to give yourself and put yourself in a position to win, and it, that's what it's really going to come down to, probably special moments, special special efforts that are going to tip the result one way or another. Now, a bit of storm news around, so I'm sure, unless you've been living under a rock, um, what's been probably the most discussed thing apart from Origin um, has been the RLPA, the Rugby League Players Association, and the NRL's impasse and stoush over the collective bargaining agreement. So negotiations have stonewalled virtually due to conditions... uh, not being agreed to by both sides. Um, and Storm Captain Christian Welsh has been at the coalface when it comes to these project, protracted, protracted and drawn-out RLPA and NRL CBA negotiations. So Welsh, who is both a player delegate for the Melbourne Storm but is also an RLPA board member of the association, has been very forthright and vocal on the frustration of not being able to get a new CBA collective bargaining agreement signed off on due to the impasse and disagreement between the RLPA and the game's governing body. Welsh recently spoke to SEN Radio and outlined a few of the concerns of why they haven't been able to get a, a, a deal done thus far. Here's what Welsh had to say. It's been ongoing for 20 months where negotiations um, have, just haven't really been able to get anywhere. Um, so we're really at the stage where... You know, obviously it impacts the fan and, you know, I must apologise for the inconvenience here of, you know, obviously the players aren't doing media and it's probably taken away from product, but we we really weren't getting anywhere in negotiations. So now we've reached a point where we need to start taking some action to try and get the NRL to, to get back to the table because, um, you know, they delivered a take-it-or-leave-it offer, which, you know, we, we thought we just can't accept that just erodes, hmm. um, you know, 
it goes we go backwards. So basically, we've said as a as a playing association, you know, we've got our settlement proposal. The NRL has your settlement proposal. Let's take it to a, uh, an expert, uh, you know, industrial relations arbitrator. Mm-hmm. Put both sides, put both the offers on the table and let them decide what's fair and reasonable because we're really confident in our set of terms. We think they're really fair and reasonable and let the expert decide because at the moment there's just no relationship there to get a deal done. So it's it's pretty sad it's got like this, but, um, you know, I'd love, you know, like let's just do that, get a resolution and start working mm. towards creating a much healthier relationship between the governing body and the playing group because it's it's such a great game. Um, you know, the, there's record crowds, record oh, yeah. TV ratings. Yeah. The Origin Series is mm. incredibly competitive. You've got the emergence of all these specific players. There's so many positives uh, in rugby league in Australia at the moment that we, we need to get a much healthier relationship with the governing body and start working together hand-in-hand and really driving that. So I think mm. ideally get the CBA sorted, leave it to an independent expert, let them decide, you know, and then we'll accept any rulings they make, even if we might disagree with them or think that, that you know, they're not that fair. We'll, we'll just get it done and then just get back to, you know, growing our game and, and creating a strong rugby league. Now, what Will she's saying there is that it's got nothing to do about money. So the money that's already been proposed, that's been agreed upon. That's been agreed upon. So this this isn't anything to do f- with the finances of the game in terms of the players wanting more money. That's already been agreed upon. So there's a percentage of revenue that the players already get, and that's through the whole of game revenue, which is generated through... <coughs> sorry which is generated through two-thirds of the whole of game revenue is generated through the broadcast rights deal and another third through non-broadcast revenue. So gate receipts, sponsorship, um, uh, stadium deals through government um, commercial ventures, you name it. So there's that part. And then the ARL Commission, who are the governing body of the whole of game, their responsibility when that when all that revenue comes through, they've got to allocate revenue. So just see it as a pie. They've got to allocate whole of game revenue, which is generated through broadcast and non-broadcast revenue. They've got to allocate that to all facets of the game. So there's the players, there's the clubs, then there's grassroots, then there's pathways. So that it's... Uh, you've got country rugby league, bush rugby league. Um, so it is it is a fine balancing act in terms of what who gets what, what percentage of revenue goes where, etc. Um, the argument from the Rugby League Players Association is that, well, without the players who are the product who generate the revenue, there is no there is no NRL, there is no revenue, there is no gain. Which is a which is a very, very plausible argument. Because all of a sudden if you've got no players, you've got no product, which means that there's no appetite for broadcasters like Channel Nine and Fox Sports to be basically pouring in two billion dollars over a five year period. That's it. That's and that that's a fair argument. So it's got nothing to do financially. The, the finances in terms of salary cap have all been agreed to. All the ratchet clauses during the COVID period, etc., have been all that. Everything's returned to normal. So it's got nothing to do with money. What it does, what it does, this protracted, drawn-out process of the CBA, what it does involve is the conditions, the employment conditions for players uh, away from the field. So uh, injury hardship funds, player welfare. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. So the play, the, 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 the player injury fund. So if you're a recently retired player, just say you're coming, you've decided you're a player, you've decided to retire at the end of this season and you've got five different sort of ailments that need attention medically and they require surgery. The NRL 
or the ARL Commission has virtually allowed you to have those procedures done, but you've got a period of 12 months to get all those surgeries done. If you exceed that 12 months, then it comes out of the player's pocket. Now, that doesn't seem fair because if you're a player that's got a bung shoulder, a bung knee, a bung ankle, a bung nose, there's four injuries right there. Now, if you have surgery, you've got to go through a rehab process, which can take two or three months to get any sort of semblance of movement and confidence back in that, that particular part of the body before you can even think about going in and getting another surgery done. Now, it really becomes difficult to be able to try and get as many of those operations done in a 12-month period. It's just too much. It's just too much. So that's one of the sticking points for, um, for a case in point that the Players Association is, is, is arguing for. And it's again, it's one of supposedly 100 conditions that they've, uh, the NRL has pushed back on. Um, and that's fine because anyone who's been around the block in terms of CBAs or EBAs, in, uh, Enterprise Bargaining Agreements in the workplace, there's a thing called there's things called ambit claims. So you might have a wish list of 100 things and you might only get 70. But that's fine because you know that's not realistic. That's, that's when it comes down to negotiation and compromise. But both sides at the moment are not willing to compromise. Um, hence the, the impasse and uh, the lack of progress um, because of be it power, control, ego, etc. Um, so, yeah, it becomes really, really difficult in that regard. I also sympathise with the, with the ARL Commission and the NRL because they're the ones that fund the players. They're the ones that fund the Players Association um, and what they're asking for in terms of injury hardship funds and money being available for surgeries and other different sort of um, conditions is that they've got no problem with that. They've compromised on it, but they're, what they want is they want they want visibility to where that money is going to and how it's being spent and how it's being allocated. Now, that's that's a thing called governance, and I have no problem with that. So, because all of a sudden you don't want to be giving a pot of money to the RLPA, then all of a sudden, six months' time, 12 months' time, two years' time, they come knocking on the front door saying, oh, can we have a little bit more money? Because we've spent it all. So, that's where the ARL Commission slash NRL that's where they're coming from because they don't want to be basically throwing more money at something that they've already allocated money towards. So it really comes down to the governance issue in and around how money is being spent. And they're not, te- they're not going to be telling the, uh, the, the Rugby League Players Association on how to spend their money. They're virtually going to be saying, okay, we just want visibility. We want to be able to see where the money's going. And I've got no problem with that. That's... That's being diligent. That's being responsible, and again, it's it's that that governance aspect. So, again, I'm sure that if an independent mediator comes in and looks at that as a as a potential issue, I think they'll side with the ARL Commission in that regard. So, again, it's it's a little bit of give and take on both sides, but due to the the personality clash of uh, Rugby League Players Association uh, CEO Clint Newton, former Melbourne Storm player and premiership winner from 2007. Um, he's currently leading the, the crusade uh, for the players. Uh, and NRL CEO Andrew Abdo is leading the leading the charge for the ARL commission. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's, it's a battle of ego and, and power and control from the outside looking in at the moment. So, again, it's, it, it's as well she said, it's going to come down now where... Neither, neither party is relenting, um, so it's going to come down to an independent mediator. And the sooner they get that, the sooner we can see this farcical 
media boycott, which was supposed to be a universal blanket ban, um, not talking to the media, only for criticism and backlash by the media, by the broadcasters and the stakeholders of the game, by the fans and members, where they changed their tune three or four days after they come out and saying we're having a media ban to saying, oh, no, we're just not going to talk to uh, the media on Thursdays to Sundays. But we'll talk to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sort of a media ban's that. That's farcical. So, yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a dog's breakfast at the moment. And the sooner they can get in a room with an independent mediator and get this thing sorted, the better. And we can start to hear from our heroes and our favourite players and our Storm Boys pre-game, middle of the game and post-game uh, and back in the press conference. Um, because we want to hear from them. That's what they're going to remember. They're, they're not talking in the media. They're talking to us. They're talking to us, the members. They're talking to us, the supporters, the fans of the game, who we stump up our hard-earned uh, for our membership, buy our jerseys, buy our tickets, invest in the club. That's, that's, that's who they're talking to. They're talking to us. So they hopefully shouldn't uh, forget that. Junior representative report, round 19. Melbourne Storm's sensational six-game winning streak in the Jersey Fleck competition came to an end, suffering uh, a defeat uh, at the hands of the St. George Illawarra uh, Dragons. Oh, no, sorry, that was the week before. Uh, sorry, Melbourne Storm's Jersey flag side um, went down to the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs uh, in in um, the last weekend, which was their second consecutive loss on the trot. So, with Storm Academy members Angus Hinchy, Mitchell Jennings, Gabrielle Satrick, and Stanley Hewn all out of action due to the Queensland Under 19s Maroons duties, Sunday's clash saw a number of fresh faces get their chance in the Melbourne Storm jersey for the first time. Currently sitting in fifth spot on the ladder, the Storm will now look to return to the winner's circle next Saturday, or this Saturday coming, I should say, when they face the eighth-placed Manly Warringah Seagulls at Four Pines Park, a.k.a. Brookvale Oval. So it's a top six. The Storm are currently sitting fifth. They need to win to ensure that they remain in that top six in order to be able to to go a long way to playing finals football. So getting the Origin boys back, should they back up, fingers crossed the Storm can bounce back and get back in the winner's circle as they now look towards the business end of the season. Feeder Club report. So as the Melbourne Storm endured a bye week, Club's feeder teams in the Brisbane Easts, Tigers and the Sunshine Coast Falcons felt the highs and the lows in Round 17 of the Host Plus Cup. George Jennings continued writing an impressive comeback story Saturday evening as the Brisbane East Tigers ran away the 34-18 win over the Western Clydesdales. Now, the Clydesdales uh, are the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs Queensland Cup feeder team. Uh, and former Storm player Darren Shonick plays for the Clydesdales. So um, they ran away victors uh, over the Clydesdales, which was great to see, uh, whilst the Sunshine Coast Falcons pulled up short of a win um, to the Broncos feeder team, South Logan Magpies, going down 34-22. Uh, both sides will be on the road this weekend in Round 18 with the Brisbane East Tigers looking to continue their winning streak as they take on the Tweed Seagulls, uh, who are the Gold Coast Titans, um, one of the Gold Coast Titans feeder teams, uh, whilst the Sunshine Coast Falcons face one of the Cowboys feeder teams in the Northern Pride. So plenty of Melbourne Storm squad members that aren't required for the NRL team will be taking place and lining up for those respective teams because of the lack of injuries at the moment, which is fantastic. So they'll be looking to build a base, um, build their confidence, build their cohesion, um, should they be called upon 
for NRL duty. So good luck, boys. And as mentioned in the Team List Tuesday uh, item is we've got a few milestones this week. So Tom Eisenhuth plays his 50th NRL game, and what a story that is. Um, if you haven't acquainted yourself with Tom Eisenhuth's story, I, I, I implore you to go and, and, and research it. It is, it is phenomenal. So this guy was coming through the Panthers system, um, played his junior rugby league in the Panthers area, uh, progressed through their development pathways through their junior representative teams, played under 20s, uh, made his debut against the Warriors um, while still playing 20s because of injuries, um, played virtually one first-grade game and then fell off the radar for years and years and years and just was playing park football and, and Ron Massey Cup, which is like third tier, third tier. So if you've got the NRL... You've got reserve grade, and then there's Ron Massey Cup in the New South Wales Rugby League competition up here uh, in New South Wales, where it's virtually glorified A grade. So it's yeah, it, it, it isn't a very high level of standard of, of, of play, um, and for, for seniors in 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 rugby league here, um, and he just kept plying away, plying away. I think he's playing for Windsor. Um, and, yeah, got picked up by the Storm and ended up playing his second first-grade game, I think, at the age of 25, 26 um, uh, in 2019. And it just, just goes to show you persistence um, will prevail if you're willing just to, to not give up. And well done to Tom because it's been a, it's been a long... Long and arduous journey. He's had his issues with injury. He had that terrible um, throat injury in 2019. Um, he's had a, a busted elbow, um, I think, in 2021. He received that. He's had injury ravelled season in 2020, um, the premiership year. So, yeah, for him to continue to fight back from those sort of setbacks to hit 50 first-grade games is a testament to his resilience and his mindset of just continuing to work and not give up. And, again, it's it's one of those situations where if you've got that attitude, not only in football, but you've got that in life in general, and that goes to us as well, is that if you're willing to work, if you're willing to want something that hard that you're willing just to not give up, well, the proof's in the pudding. So... You can't put a timeline on these things, and if if Tom did, then he probably wouldn't be in the position where he wouldn't be playing first-grade NRL, let alone notching up 50 first-grade games. Now, the average, the average NRL player, their career, is 48 games. 48 games. So that's virtually two seasons. So you think about, you know, you've got a, playing cohort of about 520 players that play across the 17 clubs. The average player only plays 48 games in, a, in their career. That's, that's, that's the average. So whilst you've got someone like Cameron Smith who played 430 NRL games, that's just insane. So for Tom to get 50 first grade games after everything that he sustained, uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic achievement uh, and well done to him and he's a, he's a great player the Storm are always a better team when Tom Eisenhuth is in it so well done to Tom um, and the other milestone games so Justin Ollum so the PNG International's trademark aggression and physicality has quickly earned him the tag as one of the game's most feared defenders becoming a mainstay of the Melbourne Storm side in recent years after making his debut in round 9 of the 2018 season and Remus Smith will also play his 100th game after enjoying 49 games with the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. 26-year-old Remus made the switch to the Storm at the beginning of the 2021 season, making an appearance in all but one game, scoring 14 tries thus far. 
and he notched up 50 first grade games just recently um, too. So uh, 50, 50 storm first grade games, I should say. So taking the field this week against the Roosters, he will notch up, along with Justin Ollum, his 100th first grade game. So congratulations to all three players on their respective milestones. And, and as we know, Melbourne Storm take milestone games and milestones of players very seriously, undertaking the mentality um, of if it's important to them, it's important to us. And that's what makes the club it is. Well, that's it for this week. Um, Again, I've, I've had a couple of weeks off with the bye and just refreshing. So back behind the microphone this week. So thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate the continued support. Um, I did get, um, I did throw it out there to the listeners uh, about ask asking the podcast a question. Uh, and there was one question. Uh, let me just pull it up. I think it was John Hark, Harkinson, Harkness, John Harkness from the Melbourne Storm Supporters No Fanatics Facebook group. Um, he said, after being touched up by Penrith last game, have we got the game to beat that or at least be competitive? That second half was brutal. Penrith were a class above up the storm. And I think I, I, I sort of mentioned that before in terms of having front-loaded their energy in that first 20, 25-minute period. They showed that they can they can. They can beat the the Panthers. They can beat anyone on their day, um, but it's 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 being able to maintain and, and and not sort of surrender momentum, and that comes on the back of ill discipline, errors, etc., where you're, you're virtually handing possession and field position over to your opposition. So that comes down that comes down to being more disciplined, discipline in the entire eighty minutes. Um, and really sort of reducing uh, the amount of errors and, and, and giving away cheap field position and inviting the other team in, in, in the contest. So if you can continue to win the ruck and have that momentum, um, the Storm are virtually, again, it, it's unbeatable. I don't like using that term, but we saw what they can do um, against the Sharks where... That was close to an 80-minute performance. So, and again, they started hard and fast, very similar to the way they started against the Panthers. So, yes, uh, John, I, I, I do believe that they can. Um, they can be competitive and they do have the game to take it to the Panthers, who, again, uh, to me, are the benchmark. They're, it's it's their premiership to lose at the moment. To me, they they've already got one hand on on the Premiership Trophy. So it's really about everyone else pulling up their socks to try and get near them at the moment. And the Storm have shown that they can, but again, it's going to come down to not playing for 20, 25 minutes of football. The game goes for 80. And you've got to be resilient enough to be able to, if you've got momentum and you surrender momentum, you need to get momentum back. And again, that comes... I sound like a broken record, but it comes down to making sure you're not attempting to strengthen one position, but you're effectively weakening another. So um, that's why the Storm need Nelson back in the middle when you're playing against these more highly ranked teams that have big packs like your Raiders, your Eels, your Panthers, your Broncos, who have that power game through the middle third. You need to be able to fight fire fight with fire. And I suppose the X factor, John, is that have the Storm got another gear? Well, their, their, their gear, the extra gear that they've got is Ryan Pappenhausen. So Pappy could be a trump card for the Storm if and when he returns. So... Yeah, I, I think I think the Storm will take plenty of lessons uh, and learnings out of that Panthers game that come a few weeks' time that when they play them at Blue Bet Stadium, um, there won't be a, uh, a 
replicated performance like we saw at Marvel uh, a fortnight ago. So, yeah, um, that's that's my answer to that. Thank you very much for, for that question, John. Um, John. John Harkness, so from the Melbourne Storm Supporters No Fanatics Facebook group. So thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, but again, thank you so much uh, for everyone who's continuing to support the podcast by downloading and subscribing. Um, really appreciate it. The support's been really good, really positive. Uh, and again, I, I, I do, um, I do read the feedback, um, and I'm trying to adjust uh, and and adhere to that feedback if and when it does come through. So uh, don't be shy. Uh, let me know what you think. And again, happy to take on board any any feedback at all, be it constructive criticism or, or praise. Um, it's all it's all the same for me. Um, I'm just, again, this is something that I enjoy doing and hopefully you guys enjoy listening to um, because it's a passion, um, as you can probably tell. And I can probably tell because you're listening. Um, so it all comes down to our love for the Melbourne Storm. So, yeah, thanks very much again for the, the continued support. Um, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Uh, enjoy your... Rugby league. And let's hope uh, the Melbourne Storm come away winners. Um, my prediction for the game, I think it's it's a game that I'm very, very nervous about because I know how desperate the Roosters are going to be. Um, they turned the corner against the Seagulls at at, at uh, Four Points Park only a fortnight ago. It's probably the best they've played. And they were probably very unlucky in that game to not get the biscuits um, or get the chocolates against, against Manly. So um, they get their origin stars back as well. But it is desperate times for them. As I said, they're currently sitting at 13th, um, five places out of the top eight, and they need to win every game to be able to make the top eight. So it's going to be a real real arm wrestle. So I don't want to say golden point, but I, I'm getting that feeling. That's how close this game potentially could be. Um, uh, of course, I'm tipping the storm because I, I think we've got the the team and, and, the, and the pack forwards to be able to meet and dominate and get on the, the front foot, which we should, the Storm showed in round six uh, when they played down at Amy Park, that they can they can handle they can handle the the Roosters middle. Um, so yeah, it really comes down to to that. Um, I'll say Storm by two. Um, hopefully it it is that and doesn't go to Golden Point because I don't think my uh, I think my heart and the blood pressure could take another golden point um, game. The stress is just too much. But, yeah, um, I'll go Storm by two. And uh, anything more than that will be very welcomed, boys. So fingers crossed. Um, But, yeah, go Storm. Ah!